Would you turn to Matthew chapter 21 and verse 3. I, as I preach tonight, I'm preaching to uh, the choir, if you will. It's a Wednesday night. This is the core. This is the, the, uh, a great representation of our church and of the saints of God. And so I promise you most everything I say tonight, if you've been around and hearing me preach for any length of time, you will have heard bits and pieces of everything I say tonight. Nothing tonight is going to be new. But I just feel once again, line upon line, precept upon precept, a little here, a little there, and we get to where God wants us to be. Matthew chapter 21 and verse 3. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. So here's how this works. You know the story. The story goes of this way that the Bible says God desired, the Lord desired to uh, have Passover and, 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 and it's, it's kind of beginning that time. But before all of that happens, he's going to uh, come into Jerusalem, what we now know as the triumphal entry. It's roughly a week before all the chaos of, of the Passion Calvary week. But he tells his disciples you know what, I need a, a colt to sit upon. It was pro- part of the prophecy going back, I think, to Zechariah or Micah. But, uh, but he, he says, just go into town. You're going to find a colt tied up. Just take the colt. And if anybody, you know, says anything, just say the Lord has need of them. If we're going to put that into uh, 2019 vernacular, just walk into a you know, I don't know, walk into Bridgeton, walk into St. Charles, and you're going to see a Ford F-150 2019 black truck. Just go take it. The keys will be in it. Just get in it and uh, turn the keys. If anybody freaks out, just tell them, you know, the Lord has need of it. I was riding with one of the officers uh, one night, and uh, we stopped at this house that had an open garage door. And I didn't know this at the time, but he knew who lived in that house. It was another officer. I didn't know any of this. And there was a brand new Harley Davidson sitting out there in the garage about 2 o'clock in the, in the morning. And that officer I was with walked in there and he cranked that up at 2 o'clock in the morning. Boom! Another officer comes busting out. I was afraid we were all going to get shot. And uh, people don't take kindly to you taking stuff like that. Of course, the other officer said, well, keep your garage door shut. Um, but, but, you know, the Lord basically said, I'm going to go in there. Take it. If, if anybody asks, say... King James says, say the Lord has need of it. That story plays out in other places. I begin to think, and I believe it was you, Brother Hera, that made mention in Luke chapter 11 where it says, when you pray, pray, Father, uh, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And I got to thinking, what are the needs of the kingdom? What does it take for his kingdom to come? What does it take for his will to be done? And I realize, I'm, I'm well aware, I have went to, I, I've got my, my, my bachelor's degree in, in theology, I, I know the Bible, I've read the Bible frontwards and backwards, and I realize that if I start talking about the God that has a need, one of you very smart people will begin to quote Acts chapter 17 and verse 25 when it talks about that the God we serve is not served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to people life and breath and all things. Somebody else is going to quote Philippians chapter 4 verse 19 that God will supply all of our needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus and glory in Christ Jesus. And so I'm well aware, so let's just get it off the 
the, the plate. I'm well aware that, that God doesn't need anything. All right? But I do think he has some needs. There's three words, perhaps, that if it will help you figure it out, there's three words that I could kind of wrap up in this. I believe the Lord has need, I believe the Lord has desires, and I believe the Lord requires some things. And, and this is not to make God any smaller. This is not to make God uh, any less of, a, of a, a sovereign being than who he is. But would you let me one more time tell you how you can serve the needs of God. Luke chapter 22, verse 14, begins to lay out a story that I'm, I'm going to take it a little out of context. He said the hour came and he reclined at the table, the apostles with him, and he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I understand and I know that that is part of the Passion Week. It's going to lead itself to communion. It's going to lead itself to Jesus washing the disciples' feet. It's going to lead itself to to. Judas leaving in that betrayal, it's going to lead itself to Peter being uh, so cocky and arrogant and the Lord saying, when the rooster crows three times. And uh, but, but when I begin to read that, it's just those simple words. I earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you. And I believe one of the things that the Lord desires, requires, and needs is a relationship with you. I, 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 could, I could spend hours walking through the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. I could show you a God that longs for communion with his creation. It starts there in the, in the, in the, the portals of, of, the, of the heavenlies where he had that relationship and a third of the angels rejected that relationship and fell and it grieved God. He longs to be with Adam and Eve in the garden, but sin rears its head and and sin separates and he longs for that relationship. He'll call an Abraham out of his country, call one man out of however many lived on the earth during that time period, but he would reach down and call one man because he desires a relationship. I know we can spend almost all of the Old Testament speaking of the children of Israel and God's chosen people, but never forget that God is a God that speaks to individuals as well. We can can wrap everything up and we can talk about the church, the church of the living God, and we can talk about the lighthouse, but don't forget that he'll call you. He'll speak to you. He desires to be with you. In fact, if you could take the word of God and realize that now the Bible says that, that he, his, his habitation, if you will, is our heart. That's the temple that he longs to dwell in. And that's where he longs to be worshipped. That's where he longs to find that communion with the saints of God. And so the first need that he has, if you will, is he needs you. He desires a relationship with you. He needs a heart to live in. I'm pretty confident. And I sure hope tonight that there's no one in this building that you don't have the Lord in your heart. It was awesome, Brother Steve, watching you get baptized Sunday and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, I'm... 
I'm all right with splashes of, of worship and joy in the, in the baptismal tank. I'm, I'm thankful for a, 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 a man that says, you know what? God is reaching for me. God is pulling me. God is guiding me. That's the needs that God has. This next one deserves its own sermon, but I had to throw it in here. I'll revisit it later. Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verse 12. Now Israel, what does the Lord require from you? And then there's four things. But to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all of his ways, and love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. A sister verse to this doesn't say it exactly the same, but the sister verse perhaps will be Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. And he has told you, O man, what is good? What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? So you want to know what the Lord needs from you? You want to know what the Lord desires from you, what the Lord requires from you? Four things. Fear the Lord, walk with the Lord, love the Lord, serve the Lord. I believe those four are a compounding phrase. It starts with fear. Please understand that fear is not a fear uh, of scared. That's not what, what that fear means. It's, it means that it starts with an awe. It starts with a reverence of God. It starts with the understanding that God is sovereign, that God is omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. He's, he's God and there comes upon me a, a holy reverence, a holy fear, a, a holy... Uh, 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 just all when I'm in his presence. That's where it starts. And if it starts there, then the next thing would be to walk in all of his ways. That would perhaps better be translated as obey him. But see, it's not enough just to have that all. The Bible says the devils believe and tremble. That's a fear. And, and now that, that tremble could probably be translated as the other kind of fear, the scared fear. But they know who God is. They have that awe of God. They come into the presence of God and, and they realize they're in the presence of the Creator. And so you can have a fear of God and that fear could cause you to obey. Growing up, I'm mixing my metaphors, but growing up I had a fear of my mother, so I obeyed her as much as I possibly could. But there was a time in my life that probably my obedience was more because I didn't want the spanking than anything else. Can I get an amen? Is anybody else in that same boat growing up? Thank you. And so it is that you can have a, a, an obedience of God simply because he's sovereign and, and there's that all and, and even that all could translate into the wrong kind of fear and so you obey him just because you don't want the consequence but what happens when you have the awe of God the fear of God and the walk with God the obedience and the love for God what happens when you love him not and or what happens when you obey him because you love him not because you're scared of him it's a compounding phrase. You, 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 you have that, that fear, that awe, that reverence of God, that obedience to walk in all of his ways and love him and the fourth one, serve him. Serve him. 
not the service of a slave or a serf uh, in, in some kingdom, not the, 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 the slave mentality. I believe this service is, is played out through the pages of the Bible, especially as you get to the New Testament. It's really what I want to get out get at tonight. It's how can I serve God? How may I please Him? How may I help Him? What do you require to really know the needs of God is to delve in a little bit greater. And so I want to bring, I may come back to, to some of these, these uh, a little bit later in the message, but I'll tell you one of the things that the Lord needs to do. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1 says he goes to Jericho and he's passing through. There was a man named Zacchaeus, chief tax collector, rich, most likely gotten his wealth by uh, cooking the books and skimming a little bit more than, than what was owed. And he knew how to do it and he knew the crowd was coming and he wanted to find out why it was. Perhaps he had talked around, oh, he's coming, it's Jesus is coming. And Zacchaeus wanted to see Jesus but could not because he was a little, he was small in stature. He goes on ahead, the Bible says, he climbs up in a sycamore tree Jesus begins to walk by. There's something about Jesus that, if we're going to talk about I want to be like Jesus in his holiness, I want to be like Jesus in, in, in his purity, you also need to be like Jesus in his mission. And Jesus is walking down, crowds are lining, it's at wall to wall, people in Jericho, and he climbs and he looks up to find Zacchaeus sitting in the tree, and Jesus stops. There is something innate in the, the, the DNA of Jesus in his mission that causes him to stop for people that no one else would. To stop when Zacchaeus is sitting in a tree swinging his little legs and to say, come down, I, I want to go to your house today. I want to spend some time with you. Zacchaeus skins down that tree as fast as he can and receives him. And there were others that grumbled. There were others that, that could not, would not understand why would Jesus, a rabbi, why would he go into the house of a sinner? Zacchaeus is in the presence of God. That awe is there. That fear of God is there. And now obedience is starting to uh, be manifest in Zacchaeus' life and probably that love is even in serving. He says, Lord, behold, the half of my goods, I'll give it to the poor. Lord, just standing in your presence, there's conviction. I, I got to repent. I got to make restitution. If I've defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said, today salvation has come to this house. You're a son of Abraham. And then this statement, for the son of man, has come to seek and to save that which is lost. You want to know what God needs to do? Seek and save those that are lost. That's the need that God has. He, he can't help himself. It's, it's, there, there's probably some things in your life, and I'd have to be a little funny, but there's some things in your life you just can't help yourself. You could, you could pass everything up, but if that certain ice cream is there, you'll eat the whole thing. It, you just have to do it. Some of you have to stop at every garage sale you see. Some of you have to go see this sale. Some of you have to go there. I have to go to Bass Pro. 
Jesus says, I have to stop because there's a Zacchaeus in a tree. I've come to seek and to save that which is lost. It's, and it goes on from there. He says, not only that, if they're not where I'm at, I must go find them. Right? It's simple. But if you'll understand the depth of what I'm trying to say, because the thing is, if Jesus has these needs, then they must also be my needs, my desire, my unction, my push. And the Lord, not only does he say, I will meet the sinners when I walk by them. I, I'm not going to just go on my way. I've got a place where I'm headed and Zacchaeus happens to be on my way. But there's another thing that he has to do. If they're not around him, he has to go find them. John chapter 4 and verse 3. He leaves Judea. He departs for Galilee. And he must needs pass through Samaria. Or he must needs go through Samaria. He walks in Samaria. He sits down at a well. The woman comes. You know the story. The woman comes and, and he begins to talk to her. And in doing so, he begins to minister to a woman that was, was, was not of the covenant. A woman that was a sinner. The one that desperately needed salvation. And the point that you must understand is that if they're not around him, he'll go find them. I must needs go to Samaria. I'll tell you another need that the Lord has. It's Matthew chapter 9 and verse 32. When a demon possessed or oppressed man was mute and coming to him and the Lord casts out that demon and cast out the mute man speaks and they marvel, never have we seen anything like this in all of Israel and they, you know, the Pharisees do their dumb thing. He casts out demons because he's the prince of demons. And, and he goes through, he, he's ministering, he's healing, he's proclaiming the gospel, every disease, every affliction. He sees the crowds, he has compassion for them. And he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. That's what the Lord needs but you know that's not the only time that's said Luke chapter 10 and verse 1 the Lord appoints 72 others he sends them and I love the way that the Bible uh, plays this out he sends them on ahead of him two by two in every town and place where he himself was about to go they were the advance guard he said you too, you go there because I'm going to visit that town. You too go there because in a little bit I'm going to go there and I'm going to be there. You set the stage. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful. The labors are few. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. It's perhaps the second time, second different time that he's made that statement. The Lord needs labor. This year, I've heard that verse quoted and preached so many different sermons in places that I've been. I remember when Brother Emery preached it here and the Lord began to speak to me as he was preaching that we have had it all wrong for so long. The Lord is not just looking for laborers to just go out, but it said pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. And the question, the prayer that we need to pray is find the Lord of the harvest, that's, the, that's God, and say where is the field ripe? I told you, you're not going to hear anything new tonight from me. I've already said it. it you're not going to go harvest wheat right now. There's no wheat ready. 
So if I send you out into the field of wheat, you're wasting your time, you're wasting the Lord's time, but if you say, well, where should I go and I send you to the cucumber patch or the zucchini patch because I promise you there's tons of cucumbers and zucchinis right now. That's where God wants us. For all too long, we've just said, God, I'll go and I'll just, I'll just reach everybody. No, why don't you pray and say, God, where do I need to be? Where are they hungry? Where are they, where are they right? Where is, where is there an a Ethiopian eunuch in, a, in, a, in, a, in a, a chariot with his Bible already open, reading and not understanding? Send me to that person. I'd much prefer to preach a Bible, teach a Bible study to someone who's already been reading their Bible than to someone who doesn't really want to know anything about it. Pray to the harvest that I might be done. Because I can't just stop there. I, I, because I, as I was reading that today, something popped into my mind, and and he goes on as he tells me. He says, you know, go there, and I'm sending you as lambs in the midst of wolves, and 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 you know, if somebody doesn't want it. Shake the dust off your feet. Go somewhere else. Don't get sad. Just keep going until you find someone that's that's willing and and eat when they receive you. Eat what's set before you. Heal the sick. Say to them, the kingdom of God has come near. And then he said, I tell you, it'll be more bearable on that day for Sodom for than for that town. Woe to you. Uh, Chorazon and woe to you Bethsaida and woe to you for the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon they'd have repented a long time ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes now this is this is, has nothing to do with what I'm preaching tonight I just kind of one of those things that I, I catch on he was saying basically if if Jonah goes into that horrid city of Nineveh and preaches a message of repentance the whole city repents but God Almighty could walk down into these towns, Bethsaida, and God Almighty himself could walk down and they wouldn't do anything. He said, woe to you. And I found if you go and you look in, uh, go to Mark chapter 8, you will find there was a blind man in Bethsaida that the Lord wanted to heal because the blind man said, could you heal me? And the, and the Bible specifically says that the Lord walked that man out of the town to heal him because he didn't even want them to see the miracle. I don't want to be that town. I want to be a town where God moves on a daily basis. I want to be a town where we're willing and hungry and, and receiving what is going on. In fact, I would like to just tell you prophetically, I believe that this entire area is in a place where they want to hear the word of God. I know some of you have experienced uh, uh, rejection. I know some of you, you've, you've knocked on a door and it's slammed and you've talked to someone and they've not been receptive. But if you'll just turn it and quit going to just anybody and start saying, God... Send me, send me, Lord of the harvest, who is ready? I promise you, God will send you to someone hungry. And if you're a little slow and a little dense, he'll send a Steve that doesn't even get an invite. He just comes and walks onto the property and talks to Brother Justin Lowe. So God will even do it that way too. But I want to find the hungry because that's the needs of of God. I don't know who Teresa of, of, of Avila is, but a quote I found of her, she said, Christ has no body now but yours, no hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes through which he looks on compassion on this world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all of the world. You are the hands. Yours are the feet. Yours are the eyes. Yours are the body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours. He has a need. 
He has a need. If you'll allow me, as I kind of begin to wrap up, he said he must needs go to Samaria. And there's, I want to revisit that story because I believe that story happens all across our town and we're just not cognizant of it. He said, I got to go through Samaria. Nobody, no Jew in their right mind would go through Samaria. Samaria was that place where they were half Jews or at least, you know, of Jewish descent that had been mixed with Gentile blood and the Jews had decided that, that if you leave the, 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 that pure blood and you go and mix, then you don't belong in God's kingdom anymore and so they didn't have any dealings with them. It's, it, it, it was a, a very uh, 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 prejudicedly charged society. And so if you needed to get from north uh, of Israel to south of Israel, it would be easy just to travel right through Samaria. It's the quickest way. It's as the crow flies. But they would rather go way out of their way around than to walk through Samaria but the Lord was trying to show that he doesn't have a respect for persons. He, he's going to go where someone's hungry. He's going to go where there's someone that has a need. And he said, I've got to go there. There is a woman coming. The Lord knew the disciples didn't. They were hungry and they were gripey. I think the word now is they were hangry or something like that. You know, they were starting to really get frustrated. And so the Lord says, tell you what, why don't you all go into town, find a McDonald's, we'll be good. I'm going to sit right here on this this well, this Jacob's well. and He sits there on the sixth hour about noon, if you will. Woman comes to get her water. The story tells us, and, 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 and I could go on and on. It wasn't a normal time to get water. You got water in the beginning of the day. You got water at the end of the day. No one came at noon to get water, but she was coming. She had already had five husbands, whether it was divorced or dead, we don't know. She was living with one now that was was not her husband, and, and, and she was there, and uh, she comes to get a respite from the, the heat. She goes to the well. She just wanted a drink. She met the Messiah because the Lord said, I must needs go to Samaria. She probably sees that and by dress and speech recognizes him as a Jew. And I'm sure she didn't want to have anything to do. She probably just wanted to, to kind of go on her way. Maybe she ignored him and dropped her bucket into the water. And then he, he says, well, would you mind giving me a drink? Hospitality of that time would dictate yes, but but she says, "Oh, you, I, I, you're not even supposed to talk to me. You're a, a a Jewish man. You're a rabbi. There's there's no dealings that we have." And then he says, "But I can give you water. You can drink of and never thirst again." She came for a drink of of of, of water that would go away. Instead, she found that spring of everlasting water. But the thing that 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 blows my mind is what happens when the disciples return as they come back and they're walking they see him talking to that woman a Samaritan woman of all things everything about it was wrong and they marveled and probably as they get close she leaves and she goes back into the city and they marvel the Bible says John chapter 4 and verse 27 they marveled that he was talking to that woman that marvel is not a good marvel they were just what are you doing Lord are you crazy but no one asked, why were you talking? No one asked, what did you say to her? No one asked, what was going on? And they were there. But they didn't, they weren't putting two and two together. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. 
they question Jesus. This is where the um, this is where the Bible shows its personalities. Here's Jesus, Son of God, Son of Man, sitting on the th- on, on the the well. He's just talked to a Samaritan, and they've got you know food from wherever they went. Hey Jesus, you want something to eat? And Jesus said, No, I'm good. I, I, I've got food that, that, that I've already partaken of that you don't know of. I'm, I'm, I'm satisfied right now. And they, 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 did you just send us on a wild goose chase? Did you just send us in? Were you just trying to get rid of us? Yes. They were cynical. They were cruel. They were selfish. And then in that 35th verse of that chapter, I believe chapter John chapter 4, he tells them, he says, don't say There's four months, then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. And I am 100% convinced that if those disciples would have looked up at that point, they would have seen an entire city coming to that well. For that woman had walked in and found everybody she had could, could find. And this was a woman that didn't want to talk to anybody. This was a woman that most likely had a bad reputation. She was not a very influential woman in that city. It, no one should have listened to her. But she ran through that town saying, Listen, I found a man that knows everything about me. I found a man who when he speaks, it's truth. And somehow that woman got an entire city to follow her to a well, Jacob's well. They were questioning Jesus. Why are you doing that? She was witnessing. She had come for water, but the Bible tells us that when she left, she left her water pot behind because the temporal need that brought her to the well, she no longer needed that at the moment. There was something bigger. There was something greater in her. The very thing that caused her to go to the well in the first place was fulfilled. That inner thirst was fulfilled, and she was doing what the Lord had come to do. Seek and to save that which is lost. She was fulfilling the needs of God. And so I ask you today, have you ever thought about the needs of the Lord? Have you ever thought about what God needs from you? Well, first off, He needs your relation. He needs your your heart. He so desires to commune with you. He he desires to be with you, but but not just because he wants to hang with you. He says, I want to teach you greater things will you do than he. He wants you to fear the Lord and walk with the Lord and love the Lord and serve the Lord. Oh, he he needs to find, he needs to stop at the trees of Zacchaeus and say, come down, I want to spend some time with you. He, he needs to find the sinner, even if it's in a place no one else normally goes. He needs you. You say, Pastor, you've really spent a lot of time this year talking about that. Absolutely. Because that's the place God needs us the most. We're a worshiping church, and I'm so thankful for that. My goodness, I love coming church. You worship, and I'll preach on it, but you do a great job at that. We're a giving church. I don't need to preach a whole ton about giving. Y'all just get it. But I want to be a church. 
that goes where God sends and teaches where God says teach and witnesses where God says witness because I want his needs to be my needs. I want his desires to be my desires. I want what drives, what motivates him to be what motivates me. So Lord, if I'm going about my business and there's a Zacchaeus nearby, teach me to stop. Sometimes, Lord, there's no one around. You're going to tell me i got to go a little bit out of my comfort zone, a little bit out of my normal uh, path because there's a woman at a well just waiting for a divine encounter with God. And can I tell you, that everything that I can preach and talk about that happened in the Gospels, a, a counterpart would happen in uh, uh, the book of Acts. For all of the Zacchaeuses, there's people that the apostles just found in their daily walk and they witnessed and they but There's also the Ethiopian eunuchs where the Lord took Philip from here and said, I need you to go somewhere you'd never dream of going. Because the Lord has a need, and He needs you. Could we stand in this building? I believe what we're seeing around the lighthouse is a result of people's burdens, people's heartbeats changing. And I, I've seen it over this year, that desire, that hunger. Lord, how can I reach?